Kia ora Aotearoa, Rebecca Hollis here, welcome to Rebecca Live. Oh, hope your day is awesome, hope everything is well. Welcome to the show. What is the show about? Oh, I'll tell you team. I love this idea of, I've got a little wristband, it says learn, share, repeat. What is that for? Well, I try to talk to really smart people, I try to figure out what they know, and then I want to pass that knowledge on to you. Uh, you can hear these episodes on the Rover app, just download on smartphone, or anywhere you get the podcast. Just go and type in hashtag Robert Live, and it's not Robert, it's not Robet, it's not Robot, it's Robert, R-O-B-E-T-T, Robert Live. Uh, where'd the name come from? Great question. Glad you asked. Uh, it's from my grandparents, Ron and Betty. My legendary grandparents, Ron and Betty, they combine it together. Ron, Betty, took out the N. Ro, Betty, take out the Y. Robert. There you go. Just like that. Um, coming up on the show today, very stoked and very awesome that we can have the one and only Jolie Hodson. She is the CEO and Chief Executive of Spark New Zealand. She's also um, the climate on the Climate Leaders Coalition. She's the convener of that. She's an activator for CEO. Uh, she's one of New Zealand's uh, probably biggest business leaders in terms of everything um, that goes with Spark. If you use the internet and you probably either use Spark or the voter or whatever it is uh, in the mix there, which is super cool. So we have her on the show today. Um, excited to get into, you know, work-life, balance, time, pressures, all the rest of it. We're going to get into that there. Hope your day is awesome. Let's get ready for the show. Introducing CEO of Spark NZ, Jolie Hodson on Rebet Live Today FM. Rock and roll. Kia ora, Jolie. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Um, back refreshed from a bit of a break over the summer period. So first week back into into work and, um, yeah, enjoyed that time off. I love it. So I was going to um, – I was trying to think about where we should start this and I wanted to jump into this idea of time and allocation of time. Um, you run a big organisation, you've got a lot of stuff going on, there is priorities and everything that exists everywhere. How do you forcefully prioritise the things that matter to you to make sure that everything goes the way it should instead of being stuffed? Like what are your hacks, what are your trips? How do you navigate your time as a leader uh, in 2023? Yeah. Maybe we'll start there. The thing about that, I probably got a lot better at it than I was earlier on. And a lot of that's to do with the ability to say no sometimes because um, there's a lot of things you can be interested in and passionate about and there are things that have to happen and then there are things that sort of sit around, it'd be nice to do, but do I have to do it? So if I step back, I'm probably quite a planner, like I can think ahead around. And, and having lived through a few cycles now too, you kind of know how long things take. Whereas when you're first into some things, you don't really understand, well, what is the actual commitment I'm making here? It sounds like it's just uh, show up on the day and do this, but actually when you work it back and it's like, actually, no, I've got to prep for this thing and do other things. So what I've tried to do is get really clear around where do I spend my time um, in the in a role that I'm in? What If you think about, I think that Stephen Covey's, you know, that circle of influence, sort of circle of control and then circle of concern, hone on the things that are most important, one, um, for our business, so strategy helps determine that and where resources need to go. And then what's my role within that? Because I've got a great team around me, so I don't need to be at everything. In fact, they can represent me in a number of areas and, and do a great job doing that. So work out the things that I should be at and work really well with my assistant because they're kind of the controller of the diary around travel and other commitments. Um, but also be adaptable because I think mm. world changes fast. Um, and there are things that come in that you don't know about. So trying to find some time that you actually allow that thinking time to exist 
uh, I'm a big user of apps. So news, travel, you name it, our services, um, pretty much all the time. I'm on, my kind of my phone is my my um, remote control to my life, really, in terms of the ability to get whether it's the alarm. Actually, it's just gone. You know, turned off in one of our houses. Those sorts of things. Working through that sort of stuff. I try to use technology. Think about the things that I want to be um, involved in, and also think about things that are important to me. So a family commitment is just as important as a work commitment. So make sure that I allow for that. Um, and and that might sound a bit structured, overly structured, but the reality is there is a lot happening at any point in time in in, in my life. So I've sort of got to find a way to make sure I bring those things together. And not get too stressed about it. No, I you, you tick tick the bucks or boxes there. I was keen to dig into. Okay, your calendar. Do you color coordinate your times based on energy, <laughs> whether it's personal or admin or family or work or strategy stuff? Like, do you? Oh, yeah, right, yeah right. talk me through. My does, yeah, he does do that for me. She sort of breaks it up into certain areas, and whether it's you know external stakeholders or customers or things like that, it's sort of getting that balance. One also, it's quite a good visual to sort of look at a week and go, okay, how am I spending my time? Um, I'm a morning person, so I get in quite early and I like that time to think and to, to get things done. My team obviously knows a bit about that too, so often they might send me something that they want me to have a look at. So that's just my time. I've always, that, my whole life I've always been like that up early and I like that time to, to think and get things done. What, what questions do you – so – funnel comes in it hits your your brain you talked about these circles that go out what are the key is it based on what you know is uh, important that day that week that month that quarter that year like how do you like what's the sort of mental triggers of the question to know where it mentally filters into to then be like yes no yes yes no no like what's that do you have a question is there a is there a something well it it sort of thinks about um you know what's the objective of what's been asked like what's the the need in front of me you know what role should do I need to play in that or could someone else and how does it sort of fit back in again to what are we trying to achieve as a as a business or if it's something I'm really passionate about that I'm involved in whether it's like my on being bold or how do they all fit together start of the year we do do a bit of a a calendar because there's things of cycles there's board cycles there's market release cycles there's all sorts of things that have a structure to them so lay those out for the year. You know what they are and the time that takes to do that. And then it's really thinking through, um, that goes back to my point about adaptability, leaving some time for free flow. Yeah. Things happen. They change. We're in an industry that moves so fast. And if you think about the world over the last two to three years, there's been a whole lot of experiences we've all never had before. So getting too structured can be unhelpful too because that can go back to that circle of influence, circle of control can make you get anxious about it. But at the end of the day, it's really just going, what's important for us to deliver right now? What's important for us to continue to have a line of sight for for the longer term? Because you can't just, dip, everything can't be in the short term. It's got to be about that. And getting that balance right about where my time spent versus time at the team mm-hmm. um, and making sure that stakeholders that I should be seeing and, and out with and, and, and the things that I'm really passionate about that I'm leaving time for. Do you, and I've got probably better at understanding that, not jamming myself full yeah. in any given day so there is no free flow for um, something to come up. So to that point, when you hit it early, do you find that because you own that first section, you get a lot of the mental heavy weight stuff off? So then it gives you more open and, and creative to just sort of yeah. free flow with with humans in person. Like, is that do, is that a, how, have you yeah. always been that way? 
or did it change where you knew that you had to do it? Like, how do you navigate that? I think I've always probably had a more of a, um, you know, when I, ex- I walk in the mornings, that's what I always do. Mornings is my time probably for, for most of those things. And I think that time of when you're most alert, ability to kind of process things. Sometimes you can have a problem that's been rolling around in your head for a bit. If you try and think, I find, if I try and think about it overnight, I'm not at my best. And I can come in the morning and go, so bang, okay, got it. Then you're moving into, as you say, more with our teams, with people, with customers out and about, um, speaking at things, um, learning from different things, because we're in an industry too that things are changing a lot. So it's also about how you keep pace with that. And it's about looking up and out too in terms of that going to different countries and looking at what they're doing. Just spent some time in South Korea, then um, off to Seattle shortly uh, next month as well. And it's not like I spend my whole time tripping around the world. It is around actually what can you learn hmm. from these markets and the ways people are doing different things differently. You, you said that in your um, in your LinkedIn profile was about we need to have our eyes up and out. And I hadn't, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't actually heard that before. So what does up and out actually mean for you because you brought up twice so it's obviously a thing yeah i think for me it's about um uh looking at different markets countries ways of doing things even different industries from what we're in today to see is there something that we could learn from that and um i think it's part of curiosity that sort of lifelong curiosity to understand more keep learning and think about how you apply because ultimately technology in itself is not going to solve all the problems. It's actually the combination of technology, people, and the problems that need to be solved and trying to find the magic triangle of those things working together to deliver. And, and I think those are the things that interest me, uh, particularly when you think about what we do. A lot of people just think about either the mobile phone or broadband, but we're also an IT company. We, we create a lot of infrastructure that supports many um of New Zealand businesses, but also for people to innovate on and things. So making choices around the types of um, infrastructure we'll invest in. Mm. They're, they're big decisions, long-term implications. So it's important to really recognise that you can learn from others. And that's really what the up and out's about. They're not all ideas are created in one place. Having a broad perspective, even if you don't take all the things that you can see or the market's quite different, there might be some one or two things that are relevant. Mm. And that's that's the opportunity for us. And the good thing about New Zealand is I think you can then execute those things quite fast. That's yep. the difference we have by being a bit of a fast follower. We can do things at speed. Well, there's at um, uh, Amazon or Bezos or something he was talking about, there's that a one or, oh no, was it Google or Schmidt? There was like a one or two way door. Like when they were coming to decisions, they were like, okay, cool. Is this a one or two way door? Like if we go through, can we not come back and this is it? Or is it a two way door? We can yeah. like dab in, have a scope, Nah, later bolt, peace, and, and come yeah. back out the door. And so they would have these kind of questions that they would do. I've got to, I've got to um, figure it out who it was, but I love that thinking of challenge comes up, opportunities exist. Cool. Is it a one or two way door? Do we, is this like an all in, let's go commit, yeah. you know, whatever. So you brought up something before you've uh, mentioned a couple of times now, your, your assistant, Jolie, and I'm interested around this question. And I am always intrigued around um, access to people with power where their relationships are change when titles change. And I was talking to a politician about this last year, actually, I was asking him, I said, Hey, I know it sounds super weird, but does it feel kind of fake when the power dynamic's so stuffed before you walk in any room because everyone knows that you're a minister? And how does it change your relationships of your friend circle 
when everyone knows that you are, I guess, temporarily relevant in many respects, but you have that power. How do you navigate that? And he was like, it's one of the hardest things I actually have to do internally because I don't know who's trying to be my homie to be my homie and who's trying to milk shit to get something from me. <laughs> so anytime there's, and I ask a lot of people that I know that are in the C-suite positions, how have you felt relationships change that try to get access to you or close to you as your positions have changed over time? And how do you have that internal filter to navigate hundreds, if not thousands of people who all want in the flippin' circle, right? How do, how do you think about that? How do you feel about that? And how do you navigate that? I think for me, some of it comes down to, I always look and think about intent. So what do I think the intent is or why someone wants to? Um, I, Spark is a company is an agile and I actually sit in an open plan area. So actual physical access is relatively, <laughs> come onto the floor and you can pretty much see me sitting in the, the sort of corner over there. Um, but in terms of, to your point of, there's lots of things you can be asked to either um, meet with or be in or, and so then it's really filtering through, well, am I the best person? What is the intent of this? Is, um, is it to sell me something? <laughs> uh, and sometimes that's, that's interesting, but it also assumes that everything comes to the top of an organisation when that's not the reality of how things work in terms of, I'd expect, you know, that my team will have engaged with people if there's something that we really want to get involved in. But also for me, I suppose, I I look probably primarily at what I think is intent. Is it things that I think I could add value to? Um, is it something aligned with some of those passions I have too? And then trying to make a balance. There's some harsh realities though. There are only so many hours in a day. Um, and if you don't, if we go back to that earlier conversation, if there isn't a no somewhere in here, then what happens is what you trade is um, often your own personal, do you have time to do the things you want to? You know, you know, hate never trade family on those sorts of things, but that's sort of the risk that you get into. And it's also, if you get spread too thin, you're actually not of much value to, to anyone in that regard. So I think it is important to stop and think around what's the intent? Am I going to add value to it? How does it line up with kind of what we've got going on as a business, but I also think more holistically. Um, so digital equity is something that's really important to me around how we continue to close that gap in New Zealand. Um, that's not something that always will line up straight up to a business object. That's not really what it's about, but it's something I'm passionate about. So I'll make time for those things. So it's really thinking about how they line up to both the goals you have. And there can only be a few of those, mm. those goals and <laughs> ambitions over time. And I think you're getting to the point of relationships the, the other important thing about roles like um, ours and many roles is it, you know who your kind of your crew are, your support people. They're there for the good and the bad. They're not just the ones that turn up when things are going really well. And they're the people you can have a really honest conversation with and they'll also give you the feedback. And I think that's what I've got much better at understanding over probably the last 15, 20 years around who are your people and and is it a reciprocal relationship? You know what I mean. You give as much as you as you get back. It's not a one way where you're feeling you're being um, drained. I suppose, for want of a better word. Sometimes you'll get into that. I actually did an exercise once. I was at a sort of leadership program, and and actually started with kind of who are the people in your and what's the size of the arrow going back and forth. And it's actually quite a good way to step back and think. Well, oh, I actually hadn't thought about that in such a way. But I that's how. Um, I tend to think about it, need that crew, you need the people. I meet people from all different parts of my life. Um, I'm very happy to take my hat off from this role, in, you know, my personal life and in the things we do with friends and family. Like that's 
the role isn't what defines what what you do it's the person and the things you're interested in the way in which you engage so for me I think trying to find that balance not taking yourself too seriously mm. it's probably something I've learned a bit over the last couple of decades because you can be very focused on where do you need to be what what do you need to do how should you be and actually realizing that being you is it's the best thing you can be and being a bit easier on yourself as well mm. with that it was so classic I had written down before you answered one way street was right there and and it was done because I know that when that energy feels and you stop back and you're like man it feels like everyone's like just sapping and taking it and, and it's away and then all of a sudden you kind of you can potentially feel a bit like used and exploited or whatever and I remember like years ago someone said to me he goes you know there's going to be a time where people want to get close to you for what you do not who you are and what the what you do is so classic when um, you know, I was talking to the, the minister a, a about it and he goes, oh, yes, as soon as I'm out, my phone's not ringing again. Like, as, like that, I, I'm no longer, and, I, and we're talking about this idea, this, yeah. this concept of temporary relevance and the wall that he's going to hit of after he's no longer temporary relevant, of realizing that so many people that were magnetized to him wasn't actually for who he was, but for what he did and how to navigate that. Um, because in, you're so publicly out facing too, it's, it's tricky to... Um, I almost have like empathy and and I feel a bit sad when people are in those spots where you can't go anywhere without them knowing like just it just feels like less freeing in so many spots where you, it's it's tough to you know have that judgment of, yeah. of these circles and and same with me like my same crew my tight crew my day one homies from a day one homies and one's like no one's in the same lane but it's all boys right all um, friends from from back so so that's the interesting and then so actually a <laughs> more practical question does your assistant already know where you want to allocate your time so doesn't actually ever have to ask you specific things because they already know and is it like is it seamless and flowless like how do how does that that structure work to make sure you do what you to do some right? extent, yeah but, but the reality is there's so many things that come in um you know clearly there's some elements that she absolutely knows about but then there's things we'll just have a conversation with we have catch up around okay here's all these invitations all these things have happened what how do you want to approach it you've got this this and this so it's really helping to kind of manage um, uh, I guess the lanes. If you think about a highway, there's a whole lot of traffic coming at you. Which are the ones where, like, which go back to where you can add value, or you know where I've got an interest level in as well? Because because ultimately, life's not just about everything that you do at work, as you know. So trying to find that balance and feeling like you could give something to it um, that perhaps they wouldn't necessarily be able to get access to either through um, funds or other things or support mm. for something that's going on. So it's about finding those things in your life that fill your cup up at the same time as making sure you can do your job well as well. And I think that's, that's the balance that I've got much better at. Um, and so we need to talk about some of those things because, you know, I might change my mind about something, unsurprisingly, <laughs> about what I think I will or won't once I've got more context or I see what's actually happening in a particular period. And I don't want to sound like it's all diary management, but it's, it is those sort of things. They do know you and the types of things that are not going to be movable mm. in cycles and other things. But also probably got a desire to, you know, you can push the envelope sometimes about what you want to get in. Yeah. No. And what you want to I, um, I get that. And it's, I think it comes back to what we talked about before. It's those core relationships that will see you through no matter who you are, what you're doing. Um, they're the ones that, you know, I value and make time for over time. And they can, and, and they develop and you find new, I found new people within that too that have really helped because, you know, it can be lonely jobs like this in terms of particularly when you're in the spotlight and something's 
you know, it's always when it's not going as well or something's happened. And so that peer group around you that you sort of probably created over time um, who and making sure that you're doing the same, you're giving mm-hmm. as much because when you notice something that's happening for someone else, actually just being there, a quick text, few words, being a shoulder to talk to, I think that's the part that people sometimes don't think about as much um, in roles like this. So the, everything always comes back to rap and sport for me, but there's a, a rapper called Big Sean yeah. and he's got a line, he says, i got friends that are in my circle but not in my corner. And I thought it was so classic where it was so real where, you know, say through COVID or challenges or business, whatever, you know, um, as you get older and these things change, you realise, huh, they've been in my circle, but clearly not in my corner. And it, it's it's these yeah. seasons for these things which which change, which can 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 get lonely. And it's also that thing too of um, when you've got the title at the top, but you know you don't know everything, but most people think you do know everything, and then it becomes this tricky thing of like, I can't actually be like, ah, I, don't know, I don't know, like, what do you think, Bob? Ah, let's flip and do this. So that that's more the maybe it's the you know the the ego versus it's sort of the humility side of exactly. it, isn't it? The ability yes. to be vulnerable and go, actually, I'm I'm not the smartest person in the room on this, and nor should I be. Actually, having a team around me that has great knowledge on these things and can actually challenge and bring a different perspective is something that. I've looked to build throughout my career and being part of teams and being having teams around me like that as well because at the end of the day, there's no way you could um, with the pace of which things have changed. And if you think about when I shifted, um, I think about my career, I came, so I started in um, sort of professional services at Deloitte's and I moved across to Sydney and worked, when Lion was relocating its corporate office to um, Australia and I moved with them and I moved into sort of beverage industry move through sort of central roles and out into the kind of commercial side of the business. Um, well, I had never, I hadn't come through working in a brewery or working in um, sales team, but I had part of, I guess, how I um, grow in these roles is to sort of get out there, learn more about it, go on the trade, understand what's happening, talk to the brewery ops guys to understand what's important to them, particularly for you, I say, supporting the sales side. And then I sort of shifted industries again, came back to New Zealand and came into telecom as it was then completely different um, industry. So the thing is, uh, you can never have the knowledge that an engineer would have had who's worked in this industry for the last 20 years. But what you can ask is good questions. Mm. What you can do is put good teams around it. And you can bring the experience that you have from an industry that potentially was more, say, consumer-facing, much more of a retail, which is really what telecom became when it split from Chorus, um, became a retailer. Of services with some infrastructure and mobile and other things. So I think it's trying to think through, that's why I go lived experience is a big part of moving into different roles, learning. Then I moved sort of into the customer side and, and running um, our Spark digital business at that point. So those things all add to your toolkit, but you learn from it and you learn from working with different leaders. You learn from being in different environments. That's probably where I've learned the most over my career about the ability to step in and have the courage to actually step towards roles where I don't know mm. exactly how components of it will work, but I'll back myself to learn and to work with people to make sure that we can create that. And I think that's, again, something that you get, as I say about, if you're talking about your younger self, being easier on yourself around, you don't, you can't be the person. In fact, it's probably, you know, the perfectionist tendencies that come up of wanting to be the one who knows everything. Thing. You won't do a great job doing that, um, but also you won't build people 
around you to do that. It becomes hard for them to operate in an environment like that. So those things for me, I, I guess I've learned more as I've gone through because I've moved around, moved countries um, within that. And that's it, just taught me ways of, and probably coming from more quieter, probably have a thought on something, but less likely to share that up front to now, some people might say, it should be better if I <laughs> shifted a bit more towards that direction. So I think it's those things around working on the things, looking in the mirror, making sure you really understand um, what are the things you need to work on at any point in time. And that also helps with the other part you're talking about. When you get into to role, certain roles, you know, how much feedback do you get? And so making sure that you're doing those things that she stands back and steps and says, what, well, what do I need to do now mm. to either make us a better team or to make me better at something? And how do I continue to do that? So we've got something coming up with my team shortly, which just looks at that sort of high performance team. What else do we want to do? Um, uh, sort of 360s, all those sorts of things that are all tools that help you get better. But you've got to be curious and want to shift and change. Mm. And that's probably something that's defined my career over time, particularly this last decade working in Telecom Spark, is the level of change and transformation has been something which me and I've learned a huge amount of different things and, and learned them by doing as much as the the having the theory of it. So, Good, good flipping, good rant on that one. I like it. What, one of the things I was actually going to ask is I think because you were at, uh, tw 12 years with Lion in Aussie and you ended up being the finance director and then ca and then came across yeah. and then now you've been almost like 10 years on the telco side from a learning perspective or crossover skill set wise what do you think was the biggest thing that even though it was two different industries was the same for yeah. 10 years in both food and beer I mean for um, on beverage yeah. into into telco what was the the crossover so I think, um, leadership is certainly something I got really embedded when I was in line in terms of sort of I'd say I grew up my leadership years there and they invest a lot in that so that doesn't change no matter what industry you're in. I think the things also that are really similar is sort of commerciality of how do you make decisions around um, where you invest, um, market structures, you know, sort of that game theory stuff. That They're different industries and you have to understand the dynamics of those industries, but applying them and thinking around you've got different competitors, that, that's true whether you're in uh, uh, FMCG or in a telco or a digital services company. So some of those things apply across. And then I think it's the ability to be able to get over yourself, to be able to ask questions so you don't feel like you're yeah, the kind of, oh, God, here she comes again asking all these questions. And I spent quite a bit of time when I first moved across. And I had some really great people in the organisation who were, you know, execs then who really helped me too, who were prepared to invest some time because I'd asking questions, I was curious about the area they were in, got out and about and saw things, which helped. Because when you're making decisions... A lot of that is based on, yes, it's the information, but it's the judgment of people around you as well in terms of in the processes and systems that go with that. So being able to put a picture together of what that looks like in an organisation, the approach to it is probably similar. The content is different, but I think it's those types of things um, and being okay with the fact that you won't um, know and learn, you know, you have to learn on as you go and, and that's all right. Um, as long as you are learning and you're not making the same mistakes sort of again and again. And that requires a great team around you, great leaders, people are prepared to back you uh, into those roles. And I think a lot about that when you think about taking risk on someone, making sure you've got a good leader above and, and the team structure's right to do it as well, so the team below them. You don't want to add multiple layers on something like that when you're making a change 
that means it's almost impossible for them to be successful because mm. ultimately we want people to be successful in the roles. So to that point around, you know, I guess the start point of humility to, to know what you do or don't know and the curiosity about asking the right questions. But then you brought up something there interesting, Jolly, which I wanted to dig into was you said, you know, like who, who backed you, right? So in your personal journey, what, was there someone that was within an organisation that saw that potential way early? Like could someone, was there someone that saw it before you did? Yeah. Did they build you that up? Like who were those people or did, did you have that? I number of people across my career probably that, um, so our current chair, Justin Smythe, um, I worked with her way back in Deloitte and then we had a short period at Lyon. Then I was there for probably another 10 years in Australia and then she was on the board of Telecom as it was when they were looking for a CFO and so she put my name into the process. Clearly you've got to have the capabilities and go through the process but that's what I'd call someone who's prepared to kind of sponsor you based on what you have delivered in the past. They back you to go in and, and um, uh, you know, you've got to fr front up to obviously the board of Telecom at that time and also, you know, Simon was CEO so he, it's his choice ultimately about who you're making there. So, um, but it's people like that that are prepared to invest, put their reputation mm. on the line for you um, and sort of connect you. So there's a number of people like, Simon was a great leader for me too. He gave me lots, so I was on CFO for a couple of years, or two and a half, almost three years. And I moved, he moved me into one of the big operational roles. Now that's a risk in itself when you haven't had someone who's come through that running that, but he was prepared to back that to give me the skills and opportunity to then be in a place that I potentially could be considered for CEO eventually. I've had a uh, you know, great chair before, Justine and Mark the Beast as well. You know, people like that who have, probably gone that extra mile to make sure um, uh, that they're sharing experiences with you, they're giving you opportunities. They're also giving you feedback too when you're not doing the things. But that's the things that make the most difference because ultimately it's, it's a little bit like in your corner versus... Um, in the second on the corner, yeah. In the circle. Yep. There be a lot of people who are mentors, and then I'm not saying there's something wrong with mentor, but sort of sponsorship takes it a little bit further. It says actually I'll put my reputation on the line yeah. to, to back and, and I'll take the time. Because it is, it's about an investment in time that we, you spend your time to help somebody out. And, and legacy too, because when you're putting your name to vouch for it, is your reputation of like, this yeah. is my decades, it's like I'm, I'm back in a jockey here to go for it. So um, mentally, what was the biggest mental shift? Was it just that leadership bit from CFO to CEO? What was there a, did anything crazy switch or was it more of a different lens you had to put out in terms of the bigger macro? What was the I think, lens? I think for me, it was, you know, two, two components, one learning, more of the, the technology side and how that shows up for our customers. And then also it's a hugely more customer facing role, the role I went into um, off the back of that. So out in the marketplace a lot more. Um, and so those things were what really attracted me to it because I'm a big believer in ability to try and carry the bag so that you've had the experience. So when you get into that, that next role, you can talk about it and you know intuitively some of the things that go with that. So those things are, um, while you back yourself, it's still a, you gotta have courage to be able to do that and, and to make that move forward. But you've also got to have people around you. And so I looked at, okay, who are the people that could help me with this and how would I help them with the things they were doing? And so I was, again, clear about the ones that would really, especially the parts that I needed to um, build my knowledge further on to make sure I was effective in what I was doing. Um, and what was the team I wanted to create in that business at, for that time and for that change that we we're going through. And so I think it's a combination of kind of leaning on what you've done before so you might not know exactly how to do it, but you've got muscle memory about what's worked before. Mm. How do you bring that in and apply that? 
and how do you find your people? Like, so I think in a um, CEO role too, the, the importance of your partners, whether it's your CFO, whether it's your um, HR, your operational teams, how do they all fit together? And how do you really have a really strong group that can help lead and guide um, and support you too, so that you don't feel that you are having to make those decisions? Or There's a lot of decisions you have to make. There's a number you don't. So finding that right mix of those people around you who will really be part of that. I've got a really strong family support too. So I've um, got a great husband, uh, patient man, who has been with me the whole time. And, you know, like he's meant that I've been able to do a number of the jobs. We've moved countries. Um, he, when my, I've got two children, teenagers, sort of 18 and 17. So he, I had some time off and then he had, he's basically been off since then. So the support that we've had there and the partnership we have around how we do things, whether it's home or, or work-life things, I think that's been a really, and I'm not saying that's the only model that works, there's lots of models that work, but working out what your model is for your family is important. Also hugely, I'm one of three girls. Um, we're, you know, we're, we've all lived overseas and we're all back, but that ability to, um, support each other parents all those sorts of things i think that's the thing too that's important not only those friends but family who know you for who you are they know you all the good the bad <laughs> and and certainly not worried about any titles of any form um you know teenagers are a good way of really bringing you down to earth too around that so i think it's about making sure you get the balance right that's the thing i would say most in any role any job anything you're doing Find the balance that works for you at that time. Yeah, the um, my wife's one of three sisters, and I grew up with t two sisters. But the the dynamics between multiple sisters uh, keeps everyone pretty pretty down to earth. <laughs> like she said, in some of the chats, I'm like, oh man, you girls are savage. So, but you said something there which I thought was cool. You said carrying the bag, right? It's been able to like see it, live it, know you've had those ex experiences. And then, but well, one thing I was going to ask, maybe more practically, now that you're CEO, not CFO. Do you have to, what role did you have to look at more spreadsheets in Excel? Was it CFO or CEO? <laughs> oh, probably. Oh, even CFO then. CFO is sort of a lot more around kind of business decision strategy. But the reality is you want to make sure. So when I went into that first step across into um, the customer role where I was leading a business unit, I was very clear straight out of CFO that I did not want to be the CFO for this business as well as the um, CE for that but that component of the business. So, you know, putting a good person in there that can really run that for you so that you can step back because otherwise it's easy to get attracted to the thing you know. The whole point of this is to learn something yeah. different. So, I mean, it's very valuable, that experience in terms of being in my role now to have that as a background. But um, I've got people who are very capable so, <laughs> to run that without me. So on that, right, you went from a CFO then into the, into the ops side and back. You go to CE, but you obviously understand the CFO side. What was your criteria when you thought of that CFO that would give you the comfort? Like was there a couple of things that went through your head? Because that process, the same way someone gave it to you, did you do it to them? I think from a, um, a publicly listed company, obviously you've got to have the whole side around disclosure, the markets, those sorts of things. Um, but I'm a big believer in a sort of commercially oriented um, strategy-based CFO in terms of I'm not really interested in sort of someone who's looking in the revision mirror and telling you what's kind of happened. It's how do you actually shape, how do you build capability in the business and how do you make sure you create a team that's doing that underneath CFOs that gives them leverage as well. So I look for people like that as someone I'd 
uh, our current CEO, Steph, someone I'd worked with um, before and in terms of when I went into that Spark Digital role. So it is someone who'd grown within and had a lot of experience in telecom prior to that. So for me, it's thinking about what are the, it's the combination of the behaviours. So how, how is the job going to be done? And then what are the things that are important for this particular time? It might be different, you know, if you have, and the mix of your team also determines that, uh, I think as well, how much experience you have in your team might determine whether you take a risk on someone who might be first time up to bat in that kind of role versus not. So I think it's all of those elements you have to go in. Um, you want to give people a chance to be, you know, all the opportunity to develop through both projects, through doing different roles and have that, that chance within your organisation. We've still got to look and say, where are we at right now? And what do we need mm. for the, the next three years ahead or the five years? So to that, you're talking about the board, Jolie. Um, for those who are just uh, tuned in, we've got Jolie Hodson, CEO of, of Spark here. Um, what, what I was, I'm interested in this. If you're a first-time CEO, what advice would you give them on how to navigate a board? And the dynamics of this are very intricate and they get very legacy-based. And there's a lot of stuff when it comes to these things. How would you summarise some 101 for a first-time CEO that has to report to a board? So I think understanding the personalities on your board and the people on your board, um, investing in the relationships there too, not just in the board meetings, uh, but actually outside of that. So they get to know a bit about you too, because you're a new, potentially a new quantity to them as well as they are to you. Um, being really clear on expectations of you. So that agreement going in, like what are the focus areas for you um, and them, and how do you want to work across that? Those are all things that are, and, and they're all they're all really whether it's a board or somebody else. It's actually how how do you set up interpersonal relationship with people in terms of that work sense about what do I what do I expect of you? What do you expect of me? How do we want to work together? How do we give feedback um, and do it in a way that's constructive but not um, uh, challenging? Because you want to know if things aren't working as you'd like it to. I mean, I, I obviously had, had, because I'd been with Telecom, what, seven years by the time, or six years by the time I became CEO, a number of the board members had been there when I was CFO. So you spend a lot of time with the board when you're CFO, and then probably less time when I was um, in the digital business and then coming back. So I already knew a, new, a few of them, but there were new members, as boards do. They go through cyclical changes, new skills, succession for board is important as a succession and a... Um, leadership team. So I think it was about setting up what did I want to achieve? Was it aligned with what they were looking for? And working through the things that were important to them around how we communicated. Um, and so I've tried, yeah. And, and that evolves too, over time too, mm. around what's a focus at a point in time and what's not. So the other things that I've, my steps would be, so I just put it simply, understand them, understand what they're looking for and understand a little bit about let them know a bit about you too so they know how to best work with you. Mm. The, the the best part about the answer was you're talking about the board of a business but not a single part of that answer had anything to do with the business. It was all about the people, you know, and, and, and regardless yes. what industry, whatever, and you just keep saying it's like people, 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 people. Um, yeah. One thing I wanted to dig into uh, before we um, finish off, Jolly, was this idea around the power of your voice. Right, and it's just this thing that's been bubbling away. Where, you know, you you now have a platform. You've got brand. You've got position. You've got you, your weapon. You've done all these things. Are, are you 
conscious enough of what you do represent to others now? And I know you're doing stuff on being bold and that too, but like, did this all come from not many look like us, we need to change this? Did this come from we need to be able to empower ourselves? Like what was the that sort of driver behind it? And also the how how well are you actually truly aware of the influence that you have and the responsibility that you feel it is for others too? Look, I think that has probably grown over the last sort of 10 years, I suspect. The reason I, I do it because I do want to see change and I, and I know um, I've had to my point of people supporting me through my career, but not everyone has that opportunity. So how do you actually give people some of the tools, have a voice for the change we want to see and, and make sure that you're consistently out with that? Um, I think it's also being clear about the things that are important to you. So there's authenticity to it because you can't represent all and everything. There's lots of um, issues. There's a lot of inequity around. So find the things that are, are important to you within that. For me, that's, I've talked about digital equity is one of those things in terms of closing that gap. And that's very much linked to what we do as a business as well. And our whole, um, seeing our business get behind that has been really, you know, a really inspiring thing for me to see and seeing how you can actually change lives with that. But then also for women in business, I think it's really important to have role models, a big believer, whether it's in business, sport, anything. You can't be what you can't see. And I know that's a common statement put around, but I think that is the reality. So the the opportunity to be able to people to engage, have a conversation with you, understand the things that you learnt on the way through, how you've changed, that it isn't always easy. There is no simple answer or, or a very linear path to how do you get from here to here. Because if you think about my career, like if you'd said to me, I don't know, 15 years ago that I would be here, I, I, I wouldn't I thought, really? Like I, I was working in Australia at that point. It wouldn't have been on my mind necessarily. Um, so I think what you've got to be able to do is adapt. Um, but it is important to have that voice uh, and to be comfortable in that voice. And not everyone's going to agree with that. Not everyone's going to want to support, but that's okay too because um, I think from my point of view, if you're passionate about something, you think it's the right thing, you're prepared to put your time to it, then that's what matters. Hmm. Are, are you truly aware of the influence that you have with what you represent and for the role that you have, or is it still sinking in or has it set? Like, are you comfortable? Are you comfortable in the influence? I'm comfortable in the, um, in the seat. Sometimes it, it, it is, you, something happens and it just reminds you like you don't, I think New Zealand generally is, you know, people are fairly, they're not focused in on, well, I'm this role or that role. It's, but sometimes you see the influence and you think, right, actually, I didn't clock that as much as perhaps I should have, which is, I think, really what you're getting at in terms of, of that, that, that conversation. And so then that when you are speaking on these things or, or standing up for something that, that you are clear about the impact that it can have. Mm. Are you? Do you have like an avatar of someone that you think about? So for me, mine was always fifteen-year-old Rangi from Rotorua. It's always fifteen-year-old. Like he's always just been this guy, and he's this young kid that's at high school. He's failing, not doing good. He's at the skate park, and he could be just smoking weed with the boys, whatever. I think about these digital breadcrumbs that I can create of positivity or something that can get to that kid to see, oh, yo, you can wear a t-shirt and do business stuff. Oh, I mean, you can wear a hat. Oh, you don't need to go to, you know, dot dot. I think of these these breadcrumbs that I can create, you know virtually and sort of get there. Do you 
think of the same person I've either, or for some myself, it was like, you know, younger, they didn't have, you know, role models or this or education or whatever it may be. When you think of those paths that you're opening up with these lanes and highways for others, do you have like someone or a thing that you think about? I do think about, and it's probably across, um, we've got avatars, personas, there's different elements because not everyone has the um, experience to your point or the background or the opportunity that I had or, and I wouldn't say we, we came from um, a normal family. We weren't any, you know, we just worked hard. Her parents are really supportive, but that's, that's a big thing too that a lot of people can take for granted in terms of that. And that's not always the case. So I think about what this role has in the last one I did prior to this exposed me to a lot more is um, seeing a lot of things in New Zealand that I never would have seen before because of the customers we serve. Um, uh, the service, you know, that includes the government. So you, so you get to see a whole range of things, been in prisons or been another. So you can see that life is not the same for everyone in New Zealand. And there are a lot of inequities within New Zealand. So I think about that a lot when I think about the shifts that we're trying to move um, and the things that are important about where we spend our time. And we've got very, as an organisation, very focused on uh, digital inequity and helping people, whether that's um, I don't have access or I don't have the confidence and skills because they're, they're two quite different things. And one might be more helping some seniors, for example, versus helping someone um, who's young, enthusiastic, but perhaps not had exposure or the opportunities that come with that. Like I said to you, like next week we've got um, girl boss interns in here from sort of the 18 to 21-year-olds just getting a chance to see a little bit about what's our business, about what's the kind of roles. Um, we also do a lot of work in terms of with, um, we tend to support organisations that are our foundation that help other young people with coding, learning about different roles, um, providing devices, providing um, connectivity on a not-for-profit basis, actually providing the access and the skills. So I think for me, I, they're all different, they're different groups. And they're different personas. So it's trying to think around, not everyone has had the experience I've had. Not everyone has um, the opportunities I've had. So how do we create that space? And always being mindful of that, that while New Zealand has many things running for it, it also has some big inequities that we need to, you know, we need to close. So speaking on that and final question before we close out, we fast forward through 70, 100 years. We're, we've, we're into the fourth quarter. We're tapped. When you look back at um, you're in in the journey of legacy at the moment for what you can create for others, what do you feel or would like that that trail or breadcrumbs to potentially be when you look when you look back? I sort in, of for me, I think the thing I'm most um, uh, passionate about is creating that op- the opportunity mm. for people to to be able to um, have both access but the chance to do what they want to do. We can't, nobody's going to have a guaranteed career path, anything like that, but actually creating the space and closing that gap up. And I was look at the legacy of our organisation. We will always, we're an enabling organisation, whether that's to consumers with the devices and what they want to do on any given day, whether that's to business, government. But within that enabling, that should be to the whole community. And so the thing I'd like us to leave most behind is, one, we're creating the infrastructure that supports New Zealand ahead. But secondly, we're creating the pathway mm. so that we get both diversity, both gender, but ethnic as well uh, across our industry, which is not there currently today. And we're creating the ability for people to be part of that too and to have their own choice about how 
their life unfolds with that because they're given opportunity, not because it's something that's only for a certain few. And I think that's the thing that I'm really passionate about. You know, you can't contribute if you can't participate. And that's probably the biggest thing that we think about within that. Dropping value bombs there, I love it. Um, absolutely appreciate your time. It's always good uh, chatting with you. Stoked on everything that you're doing. And I, and I remember, I think maybe it had only been maybe six months or maybe a little bit more since you actually first took it on and we first went into to lockdown and life changed for it all. So it's cool yeah. to see everyone pop out the other side and, and the ch- change it from also. I'm proud of all that you're doing with Home Being Bold and everything as well. You obviously are looked up to by many and uh, keep it going for the future. So I really appreciate your time, Jolly, and I hope you have a good one. Thank you for your time. Love your work. We'll see you soon. Too. See ya. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Jolie Hodson, CEO of Spark NZ. A lot in there. Dealing with time, dealing with pressure, how to figure out planning with where you're going to go. You know, the loneliness that is at the top, navigating CEO to board. Really cool thing about that, which I was just glad she got into. Not a single part of her answer had anything to do with business navigation of those around you in the circle of influence or powers or boards or whatever it is was all about the people what makes them tick how what's their role like how do they what's their vibe where's their headspace at all of that good stuff there also cool thinking the difference of i guess you know people who backed you you know who backed jolly to have that one position to go from the cfo side into the ops and then back across who backed them to to get come across into these different roles and in your life there are a couple of people who hopefully have tried to give you a shot, hopefully open a bit of the door, hopefully leave some breadcrumbs for, and create a highway for you to do stuff. And if you're on the other end of the table, when you are the one of influence, you're the one that has, has you know, the, the power, the opportunity to give to others, pass it on. Give it on, make New Zealand better. Why? Because New Zealand wins when New Zealanders win. And I love seeing Kiwis do awesome things. So I think it is almost a responsibility of if you're in a power a position of influence to open that door for others because someone needs to get there and there are so many amazing people with so many good skill sets which i don't think get a good fair shake at at, at life or positions for whatever reason so open up your mind a little bit wider and you know think a bit more diverse about you know the type of people that you're around that you listen to um too uh, jolly i love listening about you know having that circle that tight circle around you to you know keep you in check and obviously being one of three sisters i'm sure i'm sure they do also being married for 27 years obviously makes you understand what partnerships uh, good partnerships can can look like as well so really appreciate the time for uh, jolly being able to jump on the show i always I really genuinely enjoy talking to all these people. I've done them for, we have over 300 episodes now. And before we were on uh, Today FM or, or MediaWorks for years, I was doing the same thing, talking to a whole bunch of these different crew because I genuinely enjoy learning. I hope you do too. And whatever you're up to with your life, I hope you are smashing it and doing well and doing good. All right, that's enough from me. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day, week and all the rest. And I'll talk to you soon. Cheers team. Peace.